Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am Claudine Walk, your host. With us today is Kara Catruzula. She is a writer, lyricist, playwriter, and editor. She is the author of the motivational journals, Do It For Yourself, Do It Today, an encouragement journal illustrated by Tyler Spangler, and Do It or Don't, a boundary-creating journal illustrated by Jasmina Zornick. As a writer and editor, her articles and essays about work, creative process, and culture have been published in the New York Times, Quartz, The Daily Beast, Time, Vulture, and other publications. She began her career as a magazine editor at the Daily Beast and Newsweek, where she was homepage editor, deputy features editor, and culture editor. She has consulted in senior-level editorial roles at DuJour, Billboard, Money, and Next Advisor, the personal finance arm of Time Magazine. You can find Kara at her popular substack, Brass Ring Daily at brassringdaily.substack.com, where Vanity Fair has called it a life coach in your inbox. And with that, welcome, Kara. Oh, wow. I love hearing that that rundown over the last 15 years of my career. It's, it's very helpful to sort of be reminded what I've actually done because I have sort of a goldfish brain and, and forget things uh, a week later. So thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> well, you, you are no slacker, clearly. Uh, we're so excited to have you with us today on Get Your Book Seen and Sold because you give so much great advice and writers, oh gosh, authors, do we need that advice. Uh, your latest book called Do It or Don't is a motivational journal, but it also has so many words of wisdom. And I wanted to talk to you about it. When did, when did the book release? Um, the book came out on September 12th. And so just a few weeks ago. Um, so still kind of writing that post publication high. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's always um, it, it's having done this with the the other two journals as well. I think you sort of both get used to it and then also forget what it's like each time. And so um, each one is a little bit different too. So uh, I just try to lean into the good stuff and had some friends over to sort of celebrate and eat some snacks and flip through the journal and and that was a really nice way to sort of mark that occasion. That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us. Why this is like the the question that every author hates, you know, what why did you write it? What motivated you to write it? And again, this is your third journal? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's my third journal. So the the first two were more about creating uh, you know, choosing a creative project or a work project and working through it methodically and with joy and focusing on your most meaningful work and you know, there was a lot of strategies in those ones that um 
I think were helpful in kind of moving your project along. But the more I thought about it and the more I looked at my own life and the lives of uh, creative people around me, I noticed that one major block with a lot of people um, in actually getting that project out was a lack of boundaries. And by boundaries, I mean sort of structure about how the project is coming together, who you reach out to, who you reach out to for help, um, making it easy on yourself to sort of knock off those little to-dos one at a time. Um, and so I wanted to make this journal to help us basically set boundaries around our time and energy so we can move forward with our most meaningful work and reclaim that time. And sometimes, you know, it, it you don't have to, I always say this, like you don't have to have two or three hours, you know, in a day to to write something. Like I've seen what happens if you just put a little bit of time towards something every day, you know, that accumulation. And it is so basic, but it is it's basic because it, it works and it's it's true. Yeah, I know a lot of writers sometimes feel that they're going to get this kind of nirvana of blocks of time someday and and it never happens mm -hmm. no no and it's even in writing these journals you know you'd think oh i you know spent months sort of you know revising and everything but uh, like with with most industries you know there is a lot of hurry up and wait and i think publishing is a great example of that in you know the first journal i wrote in less than two months you know it's not a huge amount of text. We're not talking 100,000 words, but it was, okay, this needs my focus right now. I'm going to create it, revise it, revise it, revise it, revise it, uh, you know, with my editor. And I kind of saw that that kind that intense focus could lead to something that was, you know, polished and, and valuable and, and ready to, to print. And so with the following two journals, I, you know, I did create a table of contents, a proposal, and and sort of understood what I wanted it to be before I began, which I would say is one of the boundaries that I talk about in the journal is you need a structure before you go in. And and I'm someone who hates outlining. I, I hated it since the sixth grade when one of my teachers sort of said, can you outline an essay on, you know, an ancient civilization? I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to think ahead. You know, I just want to free write. And I still prefer that. But I think book publishing really rewards that um, foresight and, and thinking through what is your argument, what is the logic, what is the structure. And so even just taking those few weeks in the beginning to sort of say, what do I want this to contain? What strategies do I want to include and where made the actual writing of it uh, much, much easier. And that's enough. It doesn't have to be a formal, very detailed outline because in the end you end up spending more time on the outline than you do writing absolutely and you know i think my outlines were you know two or three pages each and you know i would adjust things but when i look back at them um the finished product reflects that outline and that outline actually started with some jottings on a piece of paper where i said oh my gosh i just need to figure out what is going to be in this journal and i took one piece of paper and I just did bullet points of like eight topics and then those those eight topics have have made the majority of, of this journal well you can tell going through it and it's absolutely gorgeous I'll have a picture in the show notes but the the cover is is like a hardback cover it it's very colorful it's it's just the kind of book I love it's got big spaces and it's got different writing and different fonts and but what you write 
I think is so helpful to people and not just writers. I think it's helpful to anyone. So I wanted to ask just a couple of questions about some of the things that you specifically talk about in the book. And I mean, the title alone, do it or don't. I mean, how freeing is that for don't to be an option? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little tongue in cheek because, you know, the first two were do it for yourself and do it today. And I just kept thinking, well, what else do I have to say that that fits in this arc of the journals? And they're all by the same publisher and, and different designers, but they all have a similar um, aesthetic and, and design, and we want them to live together on a shelf. So I was just, I was literally in the shower one day and I was like, do it or don't. I think it was a, it's a post-pandemic sort of mantra that kind of came up because I just realize that there are so many things that we feel compelled to say yes to that don't actually really serve us, don't serve our, our greater um, purpose in, in the work that we want to do. And it's it's very hard to say no. I mean, I have a, I have a really hard time making decisions about certain things. And, and I thought sort of offering people a place to get their thoughts down about why they might have a hard time saying no, who they have a hard time saying no to, and then offering some strategies for how to carve out that time for themselves. Um, I just thought, you know, do it or don't. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we usually know what we want our answer to be, but sometimes we just need that little push, you know? Yes, and one of the um, parts in the journal talks about drawing boundaries. And I'm wondering if you could share with us why that is so important and maybe some steps how to do it. Yeah, I think there are, you know, there are boundaries around our our work. And maybe that's the most useful thing to talk about because I just noticed that, and I'll just speak from my own experience, that, you know, I would complain a lot about not doing the things that I said that I wanted to do, writing certain um, pieces, working on certain projects. And I kind of realized that it was no one's fault but my own. You know, I had a sort of lack of boundaries around how my time was being spent, how other people could use my time. And I'm not advocating for like, you know, becoming a hermit and, and not speaking to your friends and family or anything. But I think that setting a small boundary around the work that really, really lights you up, that makes the rest of your day better, that feels like you're sort of pushing that boulder up the mountain, like that you're moving towards something that feels really significant, that can change the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your month. And so if that boundary is, okay, this is my 45 minutes and I'm not on Slack, I'm not checking my phone, I'm not answering that text, you know, I think that reinforcing that boundary again and again just makes the writing easier and easier to get into easier to stay in the flow state and then you have that end date you know that the the end of the boundary which is okay in 45 minutes i will check the phone i will go pick up the package on my stoop you know all of the little things that infringe on our time that we we don't realize are capturing our day um, and yet we come to the end of our day saying like, well, gosh, why did I not make any progress on my book proposal? Or why didn't I research those agents? And why didn't I reach out to that blogger? You know, most of those tasks don't take a huge amount of time, or if they do, they can be broken up into smaller increments. So I'm all about just like 
knocking these little things off one at a time. And it starts with with setting some some boundaries around uh, what you're going to let into your your brain at any given moment. Yeah. And just in, in terms of the writing and, and the author, you know, especially one who and we all do, we all have family responsibilities, we have other work responsibilities for most authors writing as a side gig. Um, how do you deal with the selfish you know, label or the shame of I'm not doing this, this and this or other people's expectations of how you should spend your time? Yeah, I would say the the first sort of thing I would think about is, are they actually saying those things? Or is that your perception of, of what people might say, because you're spending time on something else? I feel like if you're very clear about why you're doing something and and how long it's going to take and and what that is. I think that clears up a lot of that anxiety about oh this person's going to be really mad at me or this friend is going to be upset that I, you know, canceled on dinner. You know, I have a a chapter in there called flake with grace and I <laughs> do not advocate flaking on friends. I really or or family members or anything, but I do think that once we know that we can't do something if we're just upfront and honest from the beginning, there's a lot of those like any feelings of ill will or or tension um, are eased a little bit because it's not the, okay, I'm going to say yes and now I'm gonna resent this. I feel like that's kind of the worst way to enter into any, you know, either event or commitment is to like be resentful of the fact that you didn't get to do the thing that you wanted to do because you said yes to this other thing. And so, you know, one thing is just if you know that you don't want to do something from the beginning, you just have to try to say no. I mean, if there are certain things that we are obligated to do, obviously, but if it's something that you you do have a uh, an option, and even if it's a harder option to say no, um, just being a little kinder to your future self and saying like, I don't want to paint myself into this corner three weeks from Tuesday, you know, whenever I said yes to this obligation and it comes up. Um, I think that just taking that second and that beat before you say yes um, can usually help with a lot of those those feelings. Yeah, I have a girlfriend who's really, really good at that. And I think it, it takes mm-hmm. some practice. And one of the one of her things that she does is if let's say it's a text and it goes out to a bunch of people, uh, can you do this? And she always says, no, but have a great time. No, mm-hmm. but you guys enjoy have a blast. Can't wait to hear about it. And she, but she doesn't feel that necessity to explain why. And I think that's where for me, anyway, a lot of the stress comes from like, you know, do I have a good enough reason not to do it? Yeah, and I think I think that that reason can be whatever you want, you know, even if it's I need a night in or I already, you know, dog eared this time for something else in my life. I, I wanted to write during that time. I do have this theory, though, that it is it's a lot busier people, busy people say no a lot faster than people who have a bit of flexibility on their calendar. And so, you know, one thing I did over the last month was to go through and actually, this is gonna be so basic, like you're gonna be like everyone, it probably already does this, but I marked out time, writing time on my calendar for a big project every day for the last month and for the next month. So, because like I said, goldfish brain, if someone texts me and say, you know, can you do this? 
three weeks from today. It sounds really great. I want to do it. And if I didn't have it on my calendar that I was writing from 10 to 1230 and from 230 to five, then I would have said yes. But because I had that, I had that little boundary. I was able to sort of change it to something that maybe I could do, that I wouldn't be resentful of, of taking time away from that project. And I could, I could have both, you know, I could know that I'm putting time and energy towards my writing, but I also, you know, get to have a hangout, get to, get to go to lunch. And it all just sort of fits together because I thought about it in advance. I don't think that's basic at all. I think it's brilliant, <laughs> right? Because it's the kind of thing- Well, where, everyone yeah. always says, Everyone always says, you know, like block off time for your writing. And I just, I never did. I, I never, uh, because I do so many different things and have different types of writing projects, I would always sort of say like, well, it, it all just kind of runs together, you know, and I'll, I'll find the time. But, you know, the, the big things, the book, the book projects, um, I'm, I'm writing a musical, the, the things that take years and years to do, like you just really can't rush to do them in two weeks. And uh, I've tried, it doesn't work. And so <laughs> I think just those, those incremental steps and blocking off those little times, um, once you s accumulate a few of those, you start to feel really good. And then you look forward to that time instead of being kind of resentful of the other things that you are being asked to do. And you, you can do both, you know? Sure. And if, if you put it on your calendar, there's value there. And mm -hmm. write, writing might be something. Uh, well, uh, let me give you an analogy. How many times do you have a to-do list? And what do you do all day? You end up with the laundry or grocery shopping, and then you look at your to-do list and, and you say, I didn't get anything done. But that's not true. Right. But if you mm -hmm. put it on your calendar and you block it off, I, I just think that's brilliant because now you're valuing your time and you're valuing your writing. Exactly. And you get the satisfaction of doing the thing that you say you want to do. You know, I'll do laundry. I'll do, you know, house chores. I'll order the thing I need to order. I'll go, you know, run an errand and all of those things. And those do feel productive. And, you know, I've worked for myself for the last 12 years. And so I've always had to, had to figure out how to work from home, how to keep a freelance schedule. Um, but I just noticed, you know, those things don't have that lasting impact. And so if I could sort of tell myself, what is the minimum amount of work I can do today that will still make me feel satisfied before I go to sleep. Sometimes that's, you know, researching a topic for 15 minutes and other times that's three hours of writing and, and it can totally change based on other priorities or travel and, and all of those things. But what is that small amount of, of effort that you can put towards something that, that is really meaningful, meaningful for you, I think, um, is, is the real game changer. Excellent. We're, we're speaking with Kara Katruzula, and her book, uh, her latest journal book, is called Do It or Don't. And uh, I wanted to, two more questions on, on your book. Number one, how does someone approach it? Do they have to take the book and fill out the whole thing? Or do you, do you suggest that they do one by one? And then I'll ask you one more question. Yeah, I think this one, um, you can totally jump in. I, I love to just open it to a random page and mm -hmm. see what illustration or what question kind of sparks me that day. I think as with all things, um, you know, a, a kind of rigorous adherence to rules is not really helpful. Mm -hmm. I think whatever feels like right to you in the moment. So if you flip through and you sort of say, 
oh, the chapter on saying no is exactly what I need to hear right now. Just dive into that. You know, you're not going to like miss anything or be confused. Um, and then if you're, you know, there's a chapter on uh, the art of asking and asking other people for help and how to how to approach those um, different kinds of conversations. Maybe that's where you are with your project. And so, you know, dive in to that. I think when we sort of, it's like keeping a book on your shelf and looking at it month after month and thinking, oh my gosh, I really don't have the time, the six hours to devote to that book. I've just sort of let myself pick up books from my shelf and flip to a random page, kind of get inspired, dabble in that, and then put it back and not think like, oh my gosh, I have to have this huge weight hanging over me. Like reading and creativity and writing should not be this like albatross across your neck. You know, you should think of it like a river, like you can, you can, you know, catch a salmon in the river at any point and, uh, and then just, just go on and hopefully take that nugget with you uh, whenever you want to do your work. I think that's a great advice. Uh, the other one of the other ones that popped out at me, one of the other pages was what lines will you not allow yourself to cross? Uh, so mm. I'll, I'll be spending a lot of time on that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's it really is. Um, it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm really excited to go through it. And it's very um, you know, sometimes when you when you read a journal book, it's a little intimidating, and yours is not intimidating at all. It's very friendly. Thank you. I I really tried to make it friendly and sort of gentle and encouraging. I feel like, um, and I think that's the kind of voice that I have tried to cultivate, like through my newsletter and through the repetition of writing a daily newsletter. That that's how I sort of landed on that um, kind of. You know, like we're just we're just friends catching up and, and you're not going to be asked to like bear your soul in the journal. You can certainly if if you would like, but it's it's more just like gentle nudges to kind of keep you going. Yeah. So let's let's go there. You mentioned your Substack uh, account. It's called Brass Ring Daily. And tell us about that. And you've been writing on Substack for a very long time. And I love all the resources that you include at the bottom of your post. So tell us how that developed and how many years have you been writing it? So in in January, I think we'll be coming up on seven years wow. of writing a wow. daily newsletter. And it was with uh, MailChimp for um, a good amount of time. And then I moved over to Substack last year. And I'm grateful to have done that because I feel like it gives you a better sense of community. And I've met so many Substack uh, writers and readers just by having a comment section and having recommendations. And it feels like you're a part of an ecosystem as opposed to sending out a kind of marketing um, message. And so that's been a lot of fun. But then the newsletter started with you know, I think I had 25 subscribers and um, I just had all these like links and quotes and things I wanted to share with friends. And I thought, well, why don't I just email them around? And that's that's how it began. And <laughs> it hasn't really changed too much since. I always wanted it to be very short and not necessarily something that you would need to click through a link to learn something else. That's very important to me that I need to deliver value in that one minute, two minutes that you spend reading the newsletter because, you know, I'm overwhelmed with the amount of things I want to read. Uh, I have 50 tabs up by Friday <laughs> on my computer. So I just kind of thought, well, if I, if I write it every day, I will have a different relationship with my readers. And I also 
don't have to think so hard about what to include, you know, I can, um, it can be these little snapshots and these little observations. And so that's how I've, I've uh, maintained that somehow. Um, and it also, honestly, it turned me into a writer because before that I was, I was primarily an editor and, you know, I did some freelance writing, but freelance writing is, it's, it's out of your control for most of the time. And I thought if I really want to write, I have that in my power and I do not have to wait for an editor to greenlight a story. I don't need to wait for an invoice to get paid. I can just send this out and people can choose to read it or not. But that fulfills this idea that I want to be a writer and so I can I can write. So that was the real impetus behind it. And you see yourself continuing to write uh, at Brass Ring Daily on Substack for years to come? I think so. Um, even throughout, basically, I think of it as like a creative diary. Um, I can look back and see, you know, when I got my first um, book deal, when I, you know, got into this musical theater workshop, when I met certain friends, when I met my like husband, you know, all of these things. And, and it's really nice to have that record, you know, that record of a of creative output and things that I find inspiring and that I want to share with other people. So, you know, the days I've taken, you know, a week off here or there or like a month off if I was in like a really bad creative slump. But this year has been very consistent. And I think that's because when I think of it as sort of an addition to my creative output, and it's a sort of fulcrum to all of the other things that I want to do, then that's when I feel really um, like I'm, I'm, I feel great about committing my time to that. And I also, I have to say, making it easy on myself has been like the one thing that has, that has uh, allowed me to keep it up for, for so many years. You know, I spend maybe 30 minutes max on it a day and then it's out and I can move on to the next one. So uh, that is one of my sort of tenets of, of uh, creativity. Like, how can you make it easy? Absolutely. I'll say that's great. That's great advice as well. Speaking of advice, you, you are a published author and Get Your Book Seen and Sold is all about helping authors. I'm wondering if you could give our authors a piece of advice specifically as it's come to marketing your book. Oh, as, I, as I put you it's, on the spot. <laughs> it's so interesting because I feel like I could definitely use your advice. Um, <laughs> but I think that I, I think that I try to do a couple of things, kind of unusual things about the journals and that, you know, a journal is a strange thing to market because, you know, the chapters are short and it, it the, the journal needs another person it needs a reader who's going to use it and then who's going to talk about it with other people or share reviews or you know people will buy it because it's you know aesthetically pleasing or they like my newsletters but i think the real difference in having a journal be successful is if people like using it and and so the the first one um actually found a lot of success on I don't even want to say it's book talk because I mean it, it was TikTok, but it wasn't the accounts that are catering towards you know book readers and and um, book reviews. It was more people who incorporated it into their daily routines. So that was sort of unexpected, but also something that I can't control. You know, like I can't um, 
ask people to include it in their daily routines. Um, I could nudge them in that direction, but you know, they'll only do that if they actually find the value inside. And so, you know, I, I would really just, it's not even great marketing advice. So I would just advise like making your book and your writing as valuable to the reader as possible. Um, and I spent a lot of time just, you know, the journals are short, but I would revise and revise and revise and just think, is this actually going to be helpful? Is this something people need? Um, and then I just sort of like throw a Hail Mary pass and hope that and hope that people <laughs> actually like it. So probably not the, the advice that you're looking for, Claudine. I'm sorry. No, it's actually, Kara, I, right, you're right on the money. I, one of the tricks that I use when I'm deciding on a marketing strategy or you know, even just writing a subject line pitch email, I say to myself, mm-hmm. who, who cares? Who cares? You know, or even a headline for a Substack post, who cares? Um, exactly. Which is the blunt way to say, you know, think of your reader. So I think you're, you're right on the money. Yeah. And I think it, I think that that you're so right. It, that applies to our newsletters, it applies to Instagram posts, it applies to emails. Yep. And it's just think of, the person on the other end. So, you know, one reason why these are so um, designed so beautifully is, you know, thinking about any like, you know, self-help advice or, or journals or, or things that um, that, is, that are asking you to do something, they're asking you to engage. You do have to consider like, is this engaging? Do I want <laughs> this on my shelf? Do I want to pick this up? And I think you can think about that like with your own book covers and, and um, you know, like you said, newsletter subjects li- subject lines and, and just that idea of if you weren't the one writing it, would you actually open this or buy this or tell someone about it? Um, because we can love our own ideas so much, but I think I, I always have to think about what is the reader um, and what is the listener going to do? I, I think about that with my podcast all the time. You know, I have interviews with um, writers and, and creatives and, you know, my podcast episodes are less than 20 minutes long because I find it like that is a sweet spot for me because I do it when I'm, you know, running errands and stuff. So mm-hmm. w- what is the subject matter? And then what is the sort of appetite for it? And how can you deliver something to people that they're actually going to, um, you know, appreciate and be able to like use in that moment, because, you know, our time is is very uh, fleeting. And I think asking for people, asking people to exchange their time for the work that you're putting in front of them is is a really big ask. And um, you kind of need to just like deliver on that promise. I can't add one thing to it. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, oh, except you you didn't mention book titles because that's that's another, you know, and you've done that with yours. Mm-hmm. Do it or don't. I mean, what a useful, I mean, it, within a title, you're giving someone permission to, to not do something that they probably don't want to do in the first place, which is fantastic. <laughs> and what a big help. I mean, really. Yeah, I, well, I hope it I hope it helps. And, you know, titles like with um, like with all things, you know, and I was uh, a magazine editor, you know, would come up with 20 headlines and think, what's the most captivating? What's the catchiest? What's the most original? And, you know, we may fall in love with something that doesn't quite make sense or doesn't quite fit the content. And then I think you just throw it away and you think I can do better. And so always taking that idea from 
pretty good to excellent or exceptional is important to think about. And it's, it's a, you know, it's extra effort, but I think one, one strategy I use is to like, ask, ask friends, you know, I'll send friends possible podcast titles and say, here's three, which one is Mm -hmm. most compelling to you? And they'll give me their thoughts and then I'll tweak. And, and I just think like, you know, why not, why not get a little bit of of feedback on that, but then always going back to like trusting your own instinct on what feels right to you and what feels like authentic and not getting talked into something by anyone, even if it's a, that's someone in, in a, you know, position of power or someone whose opinion you really respect. Like if you can't stand behind it, then, uh, then I don't think you should, you should put it out under your name. So. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if these, all these words of wisdom that you're sharing, uh, are threaded throughout your journal. Yeah, I think the journal the journals are a pretty pretty good reflection of of my brain uh, at the moment, and and I think you know even do it for yourself came out in September of 2020, but the book was you know finished in 2019, and just my thoughts on on creative process and working through projects were were different. The pandemic changed that a little bit in, um, you know, my reliance on quote unquote productivity techniques and, and being really tough on yourself. And, and so I think the, the journals after that have reflected a kind of a little bit more of a, a gentler, uh, way of, of approaching, uh, our work. Well, very, very good. Very, thank you so much for doing the interview with me and also for writing this fantastic book and this series of journals that I think are going to help a lot of people. And they're just, they're beautifully done and uh, already getting, you're helping me just, just through the, just through the interview, which I, gosh, wow. Um, You can find Cara Catruzola at her website, caracatruzola.com. And I just want to just pat myself on the back for being able to pronounce your name properly. Um, And I'll have this in the show notes. Uh, And also the links to her books and also her Substack, brassringdaily.substack.com. You can sign up for her newsletter today. One last question for for you, Kara. What's next for you? You mentioned something about writing a musical. What? Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've, I just sort of follow my curiosity. And so about five years ago, I started writing uh, lyrics and uh, the books of musicals. And yeah, I'm, I'm sort of deep writing a, a full length show um, with a friend of mine. And, you know, maybe some books are in the future, too. But uh, the musical is kind of where my head is at. So that's what I'm doing right now and saying uh, and saying no to a couple other things. But um, I'll keep you posted on that's that. That's right. You're using the tools in your in your journal. That's awesome. Uh, congratulations. And we'll look forward to hearing all about that. I hope you come back to tell us about it. Yeah, I would love to. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you are listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. You've been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Walk, my Substack account, claudinewalk.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter today.